once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Now on our podcast, we interview musicians and other industry professionals to give you an inside look on how to take your music to the next level. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the C-Squared podcast with Corey and Curtis. We are once again unsupervised today, so we may go off on a tangent or two. But for the most part, we're going to be talking to you about how to promote your release, whether it's a single or an album. The mechanics are generally, you know, the same or similar when you're promoting your release. And if you can't afford to hire a PR to do this for you, and you're doing outreach on your own, these are some steps that you can take to be more successful with it. Yes, but at, but at the same time, you should always hire a PR to do these types of things because that way it looks better for you as, a, uh, as an end result. So first thing we want to talk about is the press kit. So basically a press kit is basically, uh, has a number of different things in it. It has a band photo, usually has artwork, usually has uh, the music, of course, uh, bio, links, and that's about it, um, but it's pretty easy to make. Most people overcomplicate it. Like you don't need to have a super fancy one done on a website. Uh, if you did something like that, how much roughly would something like that cost to do it on your own, like just from a website, make it look all nice and pretty? To do a fancy press kit on a website, I mean, it really depends on the hosting platform. If you have your own website set up already, you can pretty much just put all of that information onto a page. Like say you have a WordPress website set up already. You can create a page that has your press kit on it um, and things like that. But if you don't have all of that, I mean, it can cost a, a couple hundred bucks to get everything set up with getting your domain and getting everything hosted properly and, and you know, doing it that way. And hiring someone if you don't know what to do. Yeah, and hiring that, I mean, a couple hundred bucks just covers like the domain and the hosting yeah. for a couple of years. Hiring somebody to do it is a few hundred dollars. Yeah, so you'd probably be talking about between two to 500 bucks, depending on mm -hmm. if you do it yourself. So you don't have to do that. One thing that usually works or two things that generally work is you can make it into a PDF format or you can just put it in an email, one of the two. Like the easiest thing to do is like if you put all, all the elements into a Dropbox folder, or a drive folder. Uh, so that way it's easy for the journalist to look at or the show promoter or whatever the heck it is that you're doing. Um, I think we're talking about promoting though, uh, an album. So like if you have the MP3s, what you wanna do first of all is you wanna make sure they're properly tagged. So what I mean when I say properly tagged, like it has all the info, the ID3 data is all there. So it's got like the song name, the artist name, what track number it is, that type of thing. And you wanna make sure that's all put into one folder. Um, you preferably want to have the songs be MP3, not WAV files. Why is that, Corey? File size. File size, that's if right. files are massive and nobody wants to download 76 gigs of data just to listen to your album. This is true. And then you also don't want to have FLAC files or anything like that. But I, usually the best size is if you do 320 kbps. Um, if you do anything below 192, most people are, some people are going to complain because a lot of journalists can be audiophiles. So you don't want to go any lower than 192, but preferably 320. Um, 
Then with the with the files, once you have them all in one spot, you also want to upload them to a streaming service like SoundCloud, because some journalists do not like to download the album and they want to just listen to it as a complete stream. Yes, you can do that on, on Google Drive and yes, you can do that on Dropbox, but some people actually like having the SoundCloud link too. So if you're going to do that, you're going to want to have that as a private link. Uh, do you want to go over anything I've said so far, Claire? Nope, that's good advice so far. Cool. And again, you want to make sure the tracks are properly tagged uh, and that they're properly named and everything like that. And one other key thing is after you upload the tracks to SoundCloud, if you have it as a streaming type thing, you want to set it to private because otherwise your tracks are going to be out in the wild and anybody can find them unless you don't care. That's a different story. But if you, but if this, this is pre-release, most people generally want to keep them private. So make sure it's a private link that you have for your SoundCloud. So then the next part is, other than the music itself, is you want to have um, a bio. And Corey can go over the bio part because she's a bio expert. Yes, your bio should be organized from most important to least important. I know I've said this before, but it should be a few paragraphs long between three and 500 words. Anything over 500 words, you're going to start to lose people. Anything under 300 words is probably not enough information on your band. But the long version of your bio should have who you are, what you do, and what your most recent stuff that you've been working on is that that belongs in the first paragraph. Yep. Then the members, I usually put them all in the second paragraph. Yep. History of the band, notable moments, and what you've got coming up. So about five paragraphs, give or take. And um, I want to point out one thing, and just because I, I, I thought you were going to forget it, maybe you're not. Uh, make sure you have any press uh, press quotes from earlier releases if you if you have them. No, I was not going to forget that. That was going to be okay. my next. Point. Fine, <laughs> fine. I'll be quiet. Go ahead. Um, and then after that, you also want to craft what's called an elevator pitch. That's basically the condensed but still informative version of your long band bio, and that's what you're going to include in any emails that you send out. You don't want to include the big whole long thing in your initial pitch. You just wanna have the elevator pitch that's usually a couple of paragraphs that's informative enough, but doesn't have every last little nitty gritty detail in it. Yeah, um, sample elevator pitch. What do you mean? It's just it you know, who you are, what you do, what you're reaching out about, and yep. then a little bit about the band. Um, if you, so here is not the place to include like quotes from media, but if you want to say we've received rave reviews from Metal Injection, Metal Sucks, Decibel, hyperlink those titles of those publications to the article in question so that, you know, you have that proof without cluttering up the initial email with all the quotes. Exactly. So like a good example of an elevator pitch, if you're going to do it, it'd be two to three lines. That'll be like the cover letter type thing that goes with your press kit. So mm -hmm. we'll use the band Sale, for example, because I just talked to Tom a few minutes ago. So uh, hi, we're the band Sale. Uh, we're releasing our new album, single, whatever the heck it is, on Blah Date. Uh, we've previously been covered by uh, Krang, uh, Metal Sucks, uh, Metal Injection. Uh, we're a sludge metal band. And uh, that's basically about it. You, like you don't really want much else. So like very short, very concise. And then state specifically what you want. If it's a premiere, uh, if it's a news item posted, or if it's like a review uh, or an interview. Because if you don't ask one of those, the journalist is just going to say, I don't know what the fuck this person wants. 
right? So um, other than that, what else do you want to talk about the elevator pitch slash bio, if anything? No, I think that covers it all. And I mean, we've covered bios a few times on the podcast. Yeah. So, yeah. Go back if you haven't. Okay. Podcast. <laughs> so next important thing is you want to have a band picture. So like if you're, you want to have something that's current with current members. Uh, one thing that is very aggravating is if a band sends out a picture with an old band member in it. And then the new band member starts harassing the media or the PR that the picture is an old picture. It's not our fault. It's what we were sent. This happens all the time. So just make sure you have a current band photo. If you cannot get a current band photo, I mean, you got to figure this out. Like it's not hard to get a picture. Uh, next thing you also want to do, and you should credit the photographer too, if you can, I'm horrible at this, but you should always credit the photographer whenever you can. Uh, you and, also want to have and when you're sending out your album art, you want to credit the artist too. Yep. So anybody who's helped you, you, you want to give them credit. Mm -hmm. So that's the next thing too. Art they want to include in the, in the press kit. So you got art, uh, you got a band pick, you got a bio, uh, you got the streaming link, you got the downloadable MP3s as well. And then finally, you want to have your social media links. So your social media links, um, you could have a link tree if you want. It's actually easier if you do that. So that way it's not too cluttering in the email or in the press kit. Uh, but you can also use, what's the name of the other one? Toned in? Toned in. Um, so toned in is basically a fancy link tree where yeah. you can either embed a track, a video, or a whole album up at the top and then have all of your relevant links, where to buy them, all your socials, everything goes below it. It looks really clean and really nice. And if you just use the basic functionality, which most of you will only need the basic functionality, um, it's free. Cool. And if you're using something like DistroKid to distribute your music to all the different platforms, they also have a version of this. Um, I mean, there's, there's probably like 5,700 different versions those are just the two that I like is the distro kid one and the toned in one. Cool. So you can use the one of those, um, but you can also separate out the links, but it's preferable not to, if you can. Um, links you should include are Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, YouTube. And what am I forgetting? Bandcamp. I'm forgetting that something. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Bandcamp, um, and your website if you have one. That's and where to buy your merch if you don't have your own website. So if, you've, if you're on yeah. Big Cartel, if you have distribution through a label, print on yeah. demand somewhere, include all of, include basically where anybody can give you money or where they can find anything about you. <laughs> and include any videos you have if you have a video. That's mm -hmm. okay. So basically the way that you get the press kit uh, made up put it into a PDF file. You can just make a Word doc with the links in there and then you can put it into a PDF, uh, attach that to an email or even better, put it in the body of an email and then the journalist can easily look at it. And then you got your pitch, the whole nine yards, easily I done. Would say if you do not know the journalist that you're reaching out to, avoid all attachments. If you don't have a relationship with them, simply because if, your email is not in their their history of these are safe emails to open your email might get bounced yep. so you're going to want to if you're reaching out cold you're going to want to avoid all attachments and you can always upload your pdf press kit all that stuff to a dropbox or a google drive like we said earlier and include that link in the body of the email with your elevator pitch 
100%. So now they got the press kit. So now the next part of promoting the album. Um, oh, one other aside too is on the bio. If you can afford to hire someone to write the bio, get someone to write the bio. Corey does great bios. Holly does great bios. Uh, both of them are a bit available to do bios. Just get in touch with us and one of them will do it for you. Because um, the other thing too is if you write your own bio, usually it's hard to do your own self-promotion and it's good to have someone else do it for you. So there's many people that can do it for you. Just ask someone and just get it done. So press kits, anything else on press kits before we move on? I think I'm okay on my end. Cool. Okay. So once you got the press kit made up, the next thing that you need to have done uh, is that you need to have find people to send the press kit to, which mm -hmm. can be a little bit of a tough thing to do, um, which is the reason why most people will tell you to get a PR to help you with this. So when you're brand new, you're going to probably want to not just hit up places like Metal Sucks, Metal Injection, and places like that, because the chances of you getting covered on a debut are like, eh. you want to go over like how many people submit to metal injection in a week? A shitload. <laughs> There's like not a number. It's a <coughs> shitload. I will say that the, you know, the blanket email, the submissions at metal injection or whatever to submit news at metal injection, we do check that inbox but it is a massive inbox and there are not a massive amount of people on our team sifting through it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it can happen, but usually it happens because there's someone like me on the team who specifically just looks for underground shit to cover. Mm -hmm. But again, I can't cover <clears throat> everything. So no. it's better to try and build some sort of a relationship with a journalist somewhere that you can find. Yep, which is uh, the next part of it. So now, okay, so if you're trying to get coverage at like a place like Metal Injection or Metal Sucks or Loudwire or wherever the heck it is, you're better off usually as a general rule uh, contacting a journalist versus going to the, like the general email. Mm -hmm. So um, you're going to have to Google the how to do that. Most people are found by, are easily found by Googling them. Um, I don't really know what else to say on that, but use Google. I mean, it's like so fucking obvious, but most people don't do it. Use so. Google. Check Twitter bios. A lot of people have a specific email listed in their Twitter bio that they like to be sent pitches to. There's a lot of writers that do that, even at big places like Revolver and, you know, bigger names. They'll just pop it right in their Twitter bio. Um, yeah, Googling it and just any any other type of contact software that you can find there's a ton of stuff out there you can also ask if you happen to know any other bands that have been successful in this arena um like there was one that we just came across about a week ago that the band were able to get themselves quite a bit of coverage if you know a band that's already been successful at this just ask for an intro i've had one band do that where they asked hey one of our friends is releasing something do you mind if we give them your email? Yep. No, go for it. That's totally fine because they knew me. They could ask. So yep. if you have friends, ask them. 100%. But it's even better if you hire, like if you hire a PR, then you don't have to go through all this. Because one of the, one of the yeah. problems that you're going to run into is it takes a lot of time and effort to find the contacts. So, I mean, it's up to you though. If you want to be caught, if you want to be cost efficient, do it on your, do it yourself, but realize it's going to take you probably 50 hours at least 
to even find the contacts that you want. And it's quite labor intensive. So now assuming- Extremely labor intensive. You, If you don't have somebody dedicated on this for hours a day, you probably won't get very far. Exactly. So now let's say that you got the contacts now. So you got the contacts. The next thing is, oh, very key point too. Um, also don't spam people when you're sending stuff out and what we mean when we say don't spam people don't send like those mass uh you know cc emails to everyone that are just like crap emails don't do that just don't fucking do that um so okay so you send the kit out to people uh next step is that now that people have your mp3s and they have your uh press kit and everything like that now you need to figure out the launch of your singles you need to figure out the launch of your videos or whatever the heck it is so now, when you're trying to figure out singles, you're gonna to want to not necessarily put them out too far in advance, but you don't necessarily wanna put them out too close. You wanna kind of have it spaced out. So when we're doing a three month campaign, I usually like to have one single a month leading up to the release, plus a full out the week of release as well. So that gives you four placements right there of just music. And, um, but you need to make sure that you kind of figure it out. Cause like, if you wanna upload the songs to Spotify, you're going to want to have the premiere around the same date as when it goes up to Spotify. Do you want to explain that just a tiny bit, Corey? Um, so if you squish everything too close together, you're going to get like coverage fatigue from a lot of people. And if you space things too far apart, people are going to start to forget who you are and what you've been working on. So you want to keep things not tight but not loose so in the middle and then um beyond that every single that you release for spotify you're going to want it up they say two weeks in advance at least i say four weeks because you're going to want to pitch them in spotify for artists which if you don't have your spotify for artists set up set up your spotify for artists really for editorial coverage on spotify so that's one of their their people picking your song to put on a playlist, one of their playlists, you're going to want to give it at least four weeks because there's a very limited team actually choosing those songs. It's a really, really small team and they're getting millions of pitches, literally yep. millions. So give them enough time to yep. get to it. Yep. Um, Agreed. Mm -hmm. No, so you look like you want to say something. Well, no, I'm, I, I was, I was just thinking what part of it was. I, I was, I was, was, that was all. Just finish what you were going to say. Oh, now I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> right. Right. I was trying to think of what the next part was that we were missing here. So you got uh, your singles coming out, you figured it out, you got a release date set up. That's the other thing that we forgot to mention. You need to, you need to establish a release date on a Friday. Yes, you do need to establish a release date on a Friday, but when it comes to things like your singles and your videos, you're yep. going to want to be flexible on those and not release them on Fridays for the most part. Why not on Fridays? Because everybody releases everything on a Friday. So yep. if you can release your video or you can release your track for a stream, like a, a premiere on a Thursday or a Wednesday, you're going to be a lot more likely to get people actually looking at it and listening to it than on a Friday when you get buried under Metallica. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that I know that one thing that a lot of bands will tell me is the fact that Spotify will tell them to release on Friday. And that's correct, because that's New Music Friday. 
But like you said, the thing that people got to realize is that if you premiere the song on Friday, there's not going to be as much traffic coming out. So the best days I've usually found are usually Tuesday, Wednesday, or Monday, because Thursdays can get pretty jam-packed as well. And the main keys that you want- European releases, because mm -hmm. Europe is nine hours ahead of us, or nine hours yep. ahead of me, six hours ahead of you. So all of their stuff starts hitting on Thursdays. Yeah, that's a good point too. I didn't even think about that point, but that is a very good point. So if you do Tuesday, Wednesday, or even Monday, um, that gives that gives you some attention, gives you time to get the press release out, and also gets you gives you time to get some more pickups from other places to um, share the song as well. So um, release date always on a Friday. Do not pick Tuesday. Do not pick Wednesday. Do not pick Thursday. And there's a reason behind that. So it's not just because it's New Music Friday, but if you release on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, there's a very good chance you're not going to be picked up on any of the New Music Friday release lists that come out every single week. Mm -hmm. So Metal Injection does those, Metal Sucks does those, um, Consequence of Sound does those. Lots of places do that. And you might not think it's a big deal, but that's free media. It very much is. Yeah. So cool. this is why I recommend people have like a band camp set up where you can create an exclusive embed to premiere a track or have an unlisted YouTube video where you can give an exclusive link to an outlet to premiere your video mm -hmm. ahead of the actual release or to you know stream your album a day or two ahead of the actual release. So you get both types of traction. You get the premiere and you still make all the you know New Music Friday stuff. Yep, that's 100% solid. So, okay, so singles coming out different day than Friday, uh, release on Friday. Oh, also you don't want to put singles out on Saturday or Sunday because those are low traffic days and many blogs will not even pick you up. Don't mind my cats, they're fighting, I don't know if you can hear them. Um, but anyways, so we have, we have the singles out and then you also want to make sure that the full album premiere comes out the week of release as well too. Um, in order to set up a premiere, you just need to hit up a journalist, ask them if they're willing to premiere it not that hard to use the press kit just ask pretty damn simple so then the next step not the next step but a step that we forgot to talk about was the pre-order needs to be set up as well can you just order because you just brought up bandcamp yes bandcamp is excellent for pre-orders because you can set your album up people can go buy it they can stream whatever singles you've released to make sure that they like it and then one thing that a lot of people don't seem to realize is you then go in and actually on release day release your album on Bandcamp. No There's another button in there. It's not automatic. But Bandcamp is a great way to do pre-orders. If you have your own merch store, most of them have a pre-order option. If you have your own website with your own like online store, you can do pre-orders that way. But just have something somewhere that people can buy your shit because they're going to want to. If somebody's <laughs> your music, they're gonna wanna give you money for it. And Bandcamp is super, super easy. This is one area though that you do need WAV files because Bandcamp requires WAV files. So you upload them all, you upload the album art, you state that it's a pre-order, you put the pre-order date and you let it fly and people can buy your stuff. As an aside, can you hear my cats fighting or is, are they as loud as I think they are? They're not. That is good because I can hear cat screeching and throwing. Now, now I can hear. Now you can hear them. Okay, cool. So now, next thing, now that I've been totally distracted by my cats fighting, so we talked about the pre-order. Um, you have to 
for a pre-order, you cannot put it up any earlier than 90 days prior to release if you're doing it on Bandcamp. So some other options that people could have. Oh my God, those cats. <laughs> so some other options they people have. About the 90-day limit on Bandcamp. <laughs> so some other options people have is that they can use Big Cartel for a pre-order. Um, you can also do Spotify pre-saves as well. I don't know much about setting up the pre-save. Do you know much about setting up the pre-save? I know nothing. Basically, it's just setting it up to play on your, you know, new music playlist that pops up on, like, on release day, it automatically puts it into your rotation of music. Is so it hard? When, no, it's really not hard. You just go into, you know, Spotify for artists, which again, Ooh. set it up, set it up, kids. You need to set it up. Mm -hmm. And you just go through, the, you just follow the steps. Everything has a walkthrough and you just follow the steps. Cool. So you want to, so if you can get a pre-save done, that's probably a good idea too, but you also need your pre-order um, and also set up, make sure you're also setting it up for physical pre-order as well. That's, that's a key thing that a lot of people forget to do as well. And like Corey said, make sure that you um, make the release live, the date of release, because many people, I know of one band, who still has not released their pre-order from one year ago. And I'm not going to tell them because I thought they were dicks and I'm just a fucking asshole. So anyways, this does happen. So, okay. So you got pre-order set up now. Now a key part is you have to go and contact people and ask them to, to review your shit or you have to ask them to post your news item or whatever. Uh, most of the time, if you just blindly email people and just send them the press kit, sometimes you'll still, you'll get results. Many times you will, if you're a PR, but nothing beats, um, you know, nudging people and asking them to check it out. Because like Corey said, the metal injection email gets countless emails every week. Explode. Now, just the for The only accurate measurement for this is like a metric shitload. Now, just the Corey, your Corey Westbrook email, how much does that get? An ass load. So it's slightly smaller than a shitload, but it is still a lot and keeping in mind that you've only been at metal injection for two years not as long as greg who probably has even more so so um cory get, gets a ton so yeah you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna really stand out so you're gonna have to nudge people so can you kind of go over your your preference as a journalist for how people should contact you because i know you don't like people really dming you a lot and stuff like that I prefer email because even though I get a shitload of requests, it's easier for me to keep track of them in mm -hmm. my email. Um, some people do DM me on my social media, but it's people I know, people yeah. I've worked with. Yep, and sorry. yeah, that's generally, the, I kind of limit it to people that I know because if you're not following me on Instagram, you're going to get filtered and I'm going to not pay attention to it. If you message me out of the blue and we're not friends on Facebook, it's going to go to my spam. Mm -hmm. So if you want me to actually see your stuff, you're more likely with my email, which is just Corinne at metalinjection.net. Super easy. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's it. Yeah. So, all right. So now here's the thing though, is also um, if you, if someone wants to contact you and they don't, they don't uh, reach you by email right away. Is it acceptable to go to a journalist on their social on their social media? Do you think, or does it kind of depend? It depends on the journalist, because some people will say, "Yeah, sure, go ahead, go for it." Um, but chances are, with me, it might just annoy me. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. 
So it, it, it depends, right? So really you kind of- Which is again, why a PR comes in handy, because yeah. we know the people who like to be reached out to on Twitter versus email. Yeah, and we can also sometimes get away with it because we have a relationship with the person that you're not going to. So someone might scream at you for DMing them on Facebook, but won't scream at us. So, but the thing is, is like, you have to do some personal outreach a lot of the time, because a lot of times people just aren't going to see the email. I don't know how many times I've probably, how many times did we send out that fucking press kit for Eville? Like probably 15 times. Something it was like it was a lot. Like we sent a lot of stuff out about Akival, and I'm not joking. Even after like we'd sent out multiple press releases on songs, we'd sent out multiple things of the, the albums available for review. I would still get people asking me if we had the album to review, and it was just like, "Are you fucking serious?" Like I've literally contacted, sent you 14 different things, and you, and you didn't even see it. So, but if you do some personal outreach. A lot of times people then go check their holics, they'll go check their email, they'll finally see that it's there and they'll go, oh yeah, I would love to review it or whatever, right? So you have to be aware that the volume of email is a lot. So sometimes you are going to have to do personal contact on it. Um, what have we missed so far? I have a feeling we're missing something important. I feel like we've covered quite a bit. We have covered quite a bit, but I have a feeling that there's something that we're missing up to this point and I can't quite put my finger on it. But you know what? There's a key thing. You have to always make sure that you're that you're trying to stay top of mind with your social media. That was the thing right there. Social yeah. media. So, None of your outreach will do any good if you don't actually have an active and robust social media presence. Because what's going to happen? I do this. I know a lot of the other journalists do this. We get a pitch and then we go and we check out their Instagram or their Facebook and see what they're yeah. about. We all kind of background check the bands, at least on like a cursory level to make sure we're not writing about anybody that's kind of a, you know, well, not even kind of a dick, but just like a blatant douche and a half. And <laughs> like the, the one time I didn't do this, it bit me in the ass. So now I do it every single time, unless I know the band, I'm checking their socials. So if I go to your socials and I see nothing, I'm going to assume you've been in prison for murder for the past 10 years, and that's why you haven't posted, and I'm not going to write about you. I thought that would be a selling point. It depends. It only works for mayhem. I was joking. So, okay, so you want to be active on your social, so you want to be making sure that you're posting at least uh, every few days, if not once a week, leading once a week, once a day leading up to your album cycle. So this isn't just Facebook, but you also want to be posting on Instagram, and you want to be posting on Twitter. If any of those are inactive, um, it's not going to help your PR campaign because people need to know what's going on. One other thing to keep in mind with social media is that most people are not seeing your posts. So you're going to have to post things multiple times. Again, um, I like to bring up the story where a couple of years ago, um, there was a band I used to work with. Um, they got signed to a label that already had a PR, but I really wanted to hear the album. I was following them on all their social mediums. And I had no fucking clue that they had released an album until three months later, because it just didn't pull, pull, uh, show up on my algorithm, not once. So this happens, people aren't gonna see the posts, so you're gonna wanna make sure that you're consistently posting about it, because even with consistent posts, it's just not gonna show up for a large majority of people. It's something like 5% of all people will see your Facebook posts that are followers, I think, or something like that, isn't that right? It's a really small percentage. Um, it can hit like 15% on a good day, but really, it probably not. 
Um, but the other thing with your social media, when it comes to getting coverage, is some of your biggest advocates are your fans. Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you how many reaction videos I see because some fan went and, you know, went gung-ho on the reaction channels and asked all of them to react to their favorite band's video. That's awesome. I mean, stay, that's actually, so one band that their fans are really dedicated in doing this is Vinterseed. Yep. Almost all of their reaction videos are because of their fans. And they're really, really good to their fans and they stay really active on their social media. So if you want a lot of coverage, even your fans are going to get involved in making that happen. Yeah, you just got to ask is the main thing. So, I mean, that's basically the simplicity of running your own PR campaign. I mean, it's pretty simple, but I mean, there's, it's work intensive is the thing. It might be simple, but it's a lot of stuff to do, which is why you should, again, should hire PR. Uh, Corey and I are available, C squared. Um, so if you ever, if you need a PR campaign, all you gotta do is reach out. But the simplicities are, you have a press kit, you have, which includes a bio, includes your streaming links, includes your social media links, art, uh, band picture. You send that out to journalists, you follow up with the journalists, you set up premieres uh, for your singles, you set up a premiere for your album release, and you make sure that there's a pre-order and that your social medias are up, mediums are up to date and that you're consistently posting. It's really, really simple, but it's a lot of work to get done. And it's very time consuming, especially in the form of finding contacts. One key mistake that a lot of people will make uh, is that they'll think that they can do it on their own and they'll keep the social media up, but they just don't have the contacts and they'll only send it to like five big sites. Nobody picks it up, no press, album still just duds. Do, we have anything else? Do you have anything else to add to that, Corey? No, I think I am good. Cool. Well, um, that's all we got for today's podcast. So, oh, one other thing we want to bring up is the fact that we're doing a seminar with Lindsay Schoolcraft in two days because I'm uploading this today. Uh, it's going to be 50, it's 50 US dollars. And if you're interested in joining us, it's going to be five o'clock Eastern Standard Time on July 16th. And it's going to be about an hour and a half long. It's going to be me, Corey, and Lindsay. And Lindsay's going to answer questions for about a half an hour at the end and you will also have access to watch it later if you cannot watch it on time or if you just want to watch it again and that's all we got so party on Corey. party on curtis if you enjoyed this podcast please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your platform of choice you can also join the conversation by following us on any social media and suggesting guests or topics you'd like to learn more about Thanks for listening to C-Squared.